person that has ever existed is a sinner. We've all rebelled against God in our own way. We've turned aside from his glory, turned aside to make turned aside from making much of him and have chosen our own way. We've all chosen our sin, and because of that, we deserve nothing good from him. We deserve to be separate from him. And yet God, in his infinite love and mercy, which is rooted in himself and not in us, sent his son in the flesh. He took the initiative and stepped into this creation and walked in righteousness among us in all the ways that you and I have not. He didn't lie, he didn't cheat, he didn't steal, he didn't commit adultery, he didn't make idols. And we do all of those things. And he willfully laid down his life. And he rose again, and he calls sinners everywhere to repent and believe in him and be reconciled to God, have peace with him, be brought into right relationship with him. Paul writes, Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. It is a done deal. And if you're a believer, I hope that you believe that today. That if you, you believe that what your Lord went through, you better believe that your sin debt is satisfied today and forever. And that peace is eternal. And that is not something we graduate from, church. That's everything. It's everything. Jesus is everything. And does your heart sing that melody? That Jesus is Lord does it? Or is the weight of sin bearing down on you today? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel shame? Do you feel like you're not able to do enough to be right with God? Because I've got really good news for you, if that's the case. Because I know someone who can take your sin and separate it as far as the east is from the west, forever, done with. And I pray that you would come to him today. He invites you to come and find rest for your soul. Pray that you would come. Secondly, we see this idea of community. Community. There we go. Verse 44, excuse me. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Right, and even on down to verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So we see, we see that the early church, they lived and communed with one another continually. They gathered together, they worshiped together, they ate meals together, they praised God together. In the same way, it is God's design for his church to do that. It is not God's design for you to do the Christian life on your own. It is God's design for you to commune with his people, to be surrounded by his people. And Gabe did such a good job of making this point. This is not just an important thing. This is a necessary thing. You need the people of God to be surrounded by you, to love you, to encourage you, to disciple you, to pray with you. And they need you too. They need you. And this is God's design. I would not be standing here if it weren't for faithful men and women who have loved me, who have come alongside me when I was weak. And when, when I first came to faith, there were, I was going to this church back home in Columbus and there were just several men who were older than me, they were married, and they made it their mission to love me and to show me what being a man of God was. And I needed that. I needed that so desperately because I was tempted every day to go back to the world. And they were the ones saying, no, look at what God says in his word. Look what being a man of God is. It's better. Continue, continue following Jesus. Don't turn, don't turn aside from that. And God sent those people in my path. 
and I desperately needed that. We do community in a number of ways here in the branch. We do the Sunday gatherings, which you're at right now. Uh, we do missional communities as well, which you've maybe heard something about if you've been here before. Uh, it's just 10 to 15 people or so who gather uh, in community with one another, who just have meals and just do life, just commune together as the people of God, as redeemed people of God. And we have DNAs as well, which is sort of close, intimate discipleship. It's people of the same sex, maybe three or four people who meet together and confess sin. They go through scripture together and they grow in holiness and in sanctification. And that's the way that we do community. And I encourage you, if you're not taking part in those, that you would come. And uh, there's certainly a place for all of you. We would love for you to be engaged in community with us at the branch. Thirdly, we see this idea of mission. Yeah, that's a triangle, kind of. All right. <laughs> Verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So in devotion to the apostles' teaching, these people, they were after their community. They were on a mission together. They were giving away to those who had need. They had this gospel-fueled presence. They were preaching the gospel just as Peter did, but they were living it out too. And in such a way that actually drew people in. People wanted to be a part of that. People saw that and said, I wanna know this God that they're worshiping. I wanna know the kind of peace and joy that they're walking in. I wanna experience that, right? In the very same way, you and I, we're on a mission to see the gospel transform this community here in Dahlonega, this university, this, this city as a whole, right? We see people as more than just people, and the gospel does that, changes the way we see people. They are image bearers of God who need the grace of God, and we have the message that can save them, right? Can I share a quote with you? Do we, should be up here? Oh, yikes, there we go. All right, check this out. Uh, this is J.C. Ryle, the character of a true Christian. A genuine gospel faith has nothing selfish about it. It never makes a man think only of his own salvation. It stirs him up, on the contrary, to concern about the souls of others. I always suspect that those who care nothing whether their brethren are saved or not must in reality be ignorant or thoughtless about their own state. Man, that's good. The gospel changes everything about the way we see other people, right? We take the reality of hell and a wrath to come very seriously. That's not just some idea we talk about. Hell's a reality and there are people around us who are hellbound. And outside of Christ, they will experience that. They will face the wrath of God. And God has given this message to us, this message of salvation. So not only has he saved us by this message, right? He's put it in our hearts, faith in Jesus Christ and reconciliation and peace with God, but he's put it on our lips too, that we would go out and make it known and herald the gospel. And the early church could not wait for the next opportunity to say, Jesus Christ reigns. Come and meet him. Come experience peace with God. They couldn't stop saying that. And lastly, and this is the subject of today's sermon, now that I'm finally there, we see this idea of multiplication. This might take a minute.
Verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So from Pentecost, the gospel went out and began to radically transform the world. It went from there and went out to different regions all over the place, different people. The Lord continued to build his church, to multiply his people and spread his kingdom and his reign and his rule, just as he promised he would. And here's the point I wanna make about multiplication right off the bat, is that this is God's plan A. Multiplication is not some backup plan. It's not some just like some cool philosophy that some churches have. This is God's mandate to his creation. It's his plan for his people. It's how his people look. They are a multiplying people. And allow me to demonstrate this to you. In Genesis chapter one, very first chapter of the Bible, God creates everything. He speaks and everything that is came into existence. And if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. Um, and he makes man and woman and his image it's recorded, and he tells them this, says this, Genesis 1, 28, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God makes man and woman in his own image to reflect his glory, right? And he tells them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth with my image, right? Make much of me, spread my glory, spread my image, because that glorifies me. And then the fall happens, right? Genesis 3, which is horrifying. And sin enters the picture, right? Man and woman made in the image of God rebel against God and turn away from him. And sin enters into this creation. But it doesn't mean God's image goes away. It just means that sin has come. Genesis chapter 9, uh, God brings a flood, if you remember, and wipes out humanity because of the great sin that's going on. But he saves Noah and his family. He commands them to build an ark to save, to save them from the flood. And after the flood subsides, he tells them this. He tells his family, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. That's Genesis 9, verse 1. Or Genesis 15. He makes a covenant with Abraham, if you remember. He tells him, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you can, which you can't. And he said to them, so shall your offspring be, right? Let's be fruitful and multiply. My people will multiply. They will be so great. And, and Paul writes in Galatians 4 that it is actually the children of promise who are the children of Abraham, right? And then Mark chapter 4 comes, right? So Jesus comes, fast forward to the law, through the law and through the prophets, where it's prophesied that this great Messiah would come and redeem his people. He would be crushed for their iniquities. He would have an increase of his governance. It's prophesied very many times in the Old Testament. And Jesus Christ comes in the flesh and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Repent and believe the gospel. But in Mark 4, he says this about his kingdom and what that looks like. And it actually, it should be on the screen uh, if we have that. It's Mark chapter 4, verse 30. This is Jesus speaking in parables as he often did. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So with Jesus coming, it wasn't just this great and um, encompassing thing. It started small, right? It started small with Jesus coming and his disciples. 
And he's telling his disciples, this is what my kingdom is going to look like. It's going to start small and it's going to grow bigger than you can even imagine. So much bigger than you can think, right? John chapter 12, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So by Christ laying down his life, the many are made alive and his kingdom expands. His blood is continually flowing. Or how about Matthew 28? We've talked about that a lot, the Great Commission. You know it, right? It says this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always until the ends of the age. This is the very same mandate that God gives in Genesis 1. It's be fruitful and multiply. Spread my kingdom. All authority is Jesus's. Now go and win the world to the gospel. Spread my kingdom. Make much of who I am. Preach the gospel without shame. Herald it before the world. And so I want to share with you the Branches Church's vision for multiplication and what that looks like. And you may have, some of the people wearing the t-shirts today, it says 10 by 10 by 2 on it. That's really what that is. But this is directly off our website and it should be on the screen as well. Excellent. Uh, this is the Branch vision. I'm just going to read this directly to you. And you can go on our website and read more about it. I encourage you to do that as well. But it says this, in the next decade, we will grow a network of 10 high impact churches spread across college communities in the Southeast. These churches will be focused on leadership development through discipleship, with their primary measure of effectiveness being the number of leaders multiplied every two years. So do you know that God's already begun to multiply this church, right? All of this started by Gabe and Bree coming. They were called by the Lord to come and plant this church here in Dahlonega. Actually, if you were here when this thing was first starting, could you just raise your hand? I'm not going to make you stand up, but just one, like, five people-ish, and I know there were a couple more, but there's like well over a hundred people in this room. And that's just cool to think about how that has led to such tremendous growth. And God has built his church through that. Um, and in 2018, Kyle and his wife left us and they went and planted the branch Milledgeville. They teamed up with some people who were part of a, a campus ministry down there in Milledgeville called FAM. Uh, and they started the branch Milledgeville. And since then they've grown and faithful men and women have stepped up there. They've installed elders. They are even autonomous now, which is such an encouraging thing to see. And they have even men and women who are committing themselves to this vision to go and plant churches. They want to leave Milledgeville and ultimately go plant in the near future, right? And I was able to go down there with Gabe uh, a few months ago and just kind of see and be a part of their worship gathering. And it, it blew my mind to see how all of that came from this and how the Lord, just sending a few people there, has, the Lord has built his church and multiplied his people there so much and is even raising up people who are gonna go out and, and be a part of this vision. It's so cool to see that. And earlier this year, we announced the addition of Mercy Hill into our network and Brandon came and shared with us and that was such an encouragement and a blessing to hear from him and everything the Lord's doing in their church. And they even have people there who are committed to this vision as well, want to be a part of that, want to go and plant churches. And our church is very serious about multiplying. And I hope that you see that. I hope that that is seen really clearly here today. We want to be a part of the kingdom of God expanding and infiltrating this world. We want to lean into that. We want to be a multiplying church and it's a mark of a healthy church. And really my argument today 
is this, is that if you're here, if you are professing faith in Jesus, and if you're coming to this church, you're a part of this vision. You have a role in this. Everybody does. And that's important. The reason is because multiplication impacts every area of the church. It's not just church planning. It's every area of the church where multiplication takes place, should be taking place, right? That happens from a personal aspect, making disciples who make disciples, right? If you're a college student, which a lot of you are, and you came today, you're probably just like, I was just trying to come to church today, and you're talking about like planting churches and like giving away everything we have and leaving and all this stuff. Like, we want you here. I hope that you know that. We want you to come and be a part of this, and we encourage that, and we are so glad and thankful that you are here. But you have a hand in multiplication as well, right? By making disciples who then go and make disciples. One of our key things we say here, and it's in our mission statement, is that we teach people to know, believe, and obey Jesus Christ. Well, what does it mean to obey Jesus Christ? It means to obey his commandments, right? To obey the Great Commission, to go and make disciples. So in, in our pursuit of other people, when we're pursuing people with the gospel, our end goal is not that they would just come to know and believe in Jesus, but that they would obey Jesus, that they would make disciples themselves, that they would become a disciple maker. And that's a beautiful thing when it's taking place. Multiplication also impacts the church from a group perspective as well, right, in missional communities. Last year, I think we had four groups. Is that right? I think we had four. This year, we have nine. We launched with nine this fall and even more leaders per group, which is just awesome to see that, right? Multiplication takes place in community. That's not just numbers. It's not just numbers. With more MCs, with more people, with more missional communities, we have more of an ability to reach this community, to impact Dahlonega and the university with the gospel. We have more people who are doing that, who are inviting people into their home with gospel-centered hospitality and loving them and showing Jesus to them, telling them about Jesus. And that's awesome. And through DNAs as well, through meeting and closely connected discipleship, multiplication happens as well. I remember my first DNA at this church was with Gabe and uh, with Davis and then Dylan, as well as Dylan here. Where's Dylan? He's not here. I love Dylan. Dylan's awesome. Um, but it was with those guys. And I remember last spring, there were, I was growing in friendship with some guys um, and who were coming to the church, and they really wanted to be a part of discipleship. And so I went to them, and I was like, I, I want to go and maybe start a DNA with those guys. And they said, go. Gabe said, go. He encouraged me, go multiply. Go be in discipleship with them. And now God is raising those guys up. Bryson, so cool to see that, God. God, praise God for that, man. It's so awesome to see the Lord working in your heart and raising you up and to see multiplication taking place. It's so cool to see that. And then in church planning as well, right? Multiplication in its biggest form for us is, is church planning. And it's this vision I've shared. And really all of this is a part of that. Um, but if you're in the pipeline, could you just stand up? That'd be awesome. Thank you. You see that? That's like, last week, I think we had nine people last year. Y'all can go and sit down. That's like, we have 19, I think, now, which is just so cool to see that as well, multiplication happening there. These people, they've committed themselves to activating or alleviating their call to ministry by serving in our ministry pipeline. And even a lot of them have said that they want to go and, and, and be a part of this church planning vision. And the Lord's going to continue to build his people and, and raise people up. 
And that's incredible to see that. And we praise God for that. And we pray that that would continue only by his grace. And so here's really my point. Um, I'm not saying that every single person has to go here and plant a church. That's not the way that I think this is going to look. But I'm saying that you have a hand in that. And I'm saying it's obedience to the Great Commission that really moves you to be obedient to that, to take part in multiplication. Every child of God plays a part in the kingdom of God advancing. And multiplication, it starts small. It's not some big extravagant thing at first. Remember the words of Jesus in Mark 4. And here's another example I give you. There's many in the Bible, but here's just one. Acts chapter 16 is recorded where the church in Philippi started. And um, it starts by Paul and Silas going there and with the conversion of Lydia and a slave girl later on, and then a jailer. People who are completely not like each other from different walks of life, and then their families come to faith. And this is what the gospel does. It unites people who are not like each other, who are different, because they have incredible commonality in the gospel as believers in Jesus Christ, as people who have been redeemed by God. That gives you more commonality than anything else, I think. And you can see from Paul's letter that this community actually thrived they did really well. If you read Philippians, you can see that, how filled with joy he is over those people and how the Lord has worked in them. And so the kind of, there's this slide we've been showing throughout the series. Do we have it? Yeah, that. So church name, slogan, tagline, if required. That's kind of what you're kind of told these days, what it looks like to go and start a church. If you have some cool church, church name, you can go and, and do this, but that's not really the case, right? We don't need some fancy church name. We don't need a lot of money. We don't need like smoke machines and stuff like that. We need gospel-centered community on mission. That's what we need. And we get that healthy and we go and we multiply. And that's what we're after. And it's it's incredible to see when God multiplies his people. And I know I'm young and I haven't really seen this well. And so even writing this has been a bit challenging, but you know, I've seen this in some ways and you know, I see God's word and how it testifies to this reality. And man, it's so cool to see that. And all of this started by just two people really coming here and starting this and a few other people came alongside them as well. And the Lord has built his church. Even Milledgeville started in the very same way really so did Mercy Hill as well. And multiplication, it isn't perfection either, and we need to understand that. It's not um, just what a perfect church looks like. We're not perfect, the church is not perfect, and we need to make sure that we remind ourselves of that, right? Paul wrote nine letters to church communities. Don't count the, the pastoral epistles and stuff like that, but he wrote, I think it's Romans to 2 Thessalonians. And do you know how many of those, he's not correcting some sort of false doctrine or something like that, it's only one, it's Philippians, where he's not correcting false doctrine. And I think that that's not an excuse to forfeit on doctrine in any way, hear me on that, I hope you hear that. But it shows that the church is sinners, we are. We're not perfect but God uses sinners for his glory. And the early church was a complete mess in a lot of ways, and the, the Bible takes a really great lengths to point that out. It shames just about every single person who is called by God. It's interesting how that happens. Multiplication is about God and his glory, and we must understand that. This doesn't happen without God doing this. It is God who multiplies, and we have to remember that. 
It's not just numbers. We must be hungry and be after the glory of God. We need to be giving ourselves to that. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he said. And we ought to pray like that. We ought to pray that the kingdom of God would come and continually come and build and take over this world. Win people to the gospel. And when God calls, it happens. It is a certainty that when God calls, it happens. And Carlton spoke last week to God's sovereignty and made a really good point. It's easy for us to think that we're trying to figure out God's will for our lives, and maybe we're not in it, maybe we are, and we need to kind of just figure out the right path. But the reality is that if you're here in Dahlonega, it's God's will for you to be here. And it's his command to you to go and make disciples. It's God's will for you to be here and his command to you to go and make disciples, to be fruitful and multiply. And some of you, you'll be here in Dahlonega for the foreseeable future, and you will make disciples here and be a part of this church and serve it faithfully. And we are so glad that you are here, and we encourage that. And we need you to be here. And some of you will leave Dahlonega, and you will go serve in other churches and other areas, and we encourage that as well, that you would go serve God's church. And then some of you will be a part of this vision to go and plant churches. And it won't be that long from now. I remember last year, Gabe was preaching in this series. I debated on whether I was going to share this, but I think I'm going to. Uh, he was preaching in this series, and um, a year ago, I was planning, I was studying accounting, I was a senior in college, and I was planning to go and to, you know, move to Atlanta, make a lot of money, get my CPA license, and do that sort of thing. And he was kind of getting towards the end of the series where he's talking about multiplication and really the church's vision to go and plant churches. And he kind of gets to this point and he's kind of saying, you know, some of you specifically are going to go and plant churches. And he's saying it kind of laughingly, kind of how Gabe does sometimes. And he's, he's just laughing and said, some of you don't even know it yet. And I'm just like, I'm sitting there and I'm just like, who's this guy think he is? Like saying something like that. Does, does he know something that I don't know? or something. It was weird the way that, you know, I received that. But then like a month later, I'm sitting with him in a coffee shop telling him, I want to be a part of this. I believe the Lord has led me to do that. And I believe that he is. And I want to be a part of that. And I encourage you in that as well. And I don't share that story to make much of myself or Gabe or anybody else. I don't do that. I do that to point you to God and testify to him and how he multiplies and the work that he's doing in this church and in my heart specifically. And it's a beautiful thing, and I praise God for it. And so listen, I don't have some sort of fancy way to conclude this sermon. This is, this is the end of this series on what is the church. And then next week, we're going to move into Joshua, and it's going to be awesome. I'm excited, super excited about it. But really what I want to say and leave you with is this, is that um, if you are here, you're a part of this. Multiplication requires action. And it is really easy to hear this and hear about God's kingdom expanding and God growing and building his people and to just have an emotional response to something like that, but then not do anything. That's easy, but it's not obedient. It's a whole nother thing to say, I want to lean into that. I want to be a part 
of God, building his people. I want to have a hand. I want God to use me to multiply his people. And so I want to ask you, how are you playing a role in that? And if you're not, would you? Would you step into that? Would you be a part of God multiplying his people here in this community and ultimately outside of this place too as God is redeeming his people, calling them, saving them from their sins and using his church to build his church? Right, there's opportunity all around us. There are people all around us in our workplaces, in our classes, just in our community that, that need Jesus. They need to be brought into right relationship with the living God. And we have the message that can bring them, bring them into peace with God. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And he encouraged his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so I pray that we, as a church, as the Branch Church Dahlonega, as the Branch Network, that we would be a church that is gospel-centered, that is a real, genuine community that is on mission, and that we are a multiplying church. Pray that God would lead us to that, and that we would be obedient to Jesus and his commandments and what he's doing. So the band's going to come up, and we're going to come to the Lord's table this morning in remembrance of who Jesus is and the kingdom he brought and all that he's done, his redemptive life, death, and resurrection for his church. We're going to take the bread, which represents his body, dip it in the juice, which represents his blood, in remembrance of all that he has done. And so I pray that, that he would be magnified in this vision and that we would consider how we are a part of God multiplying his church, of how Jesus is building his church as the branch. Let's pray together. Lord, we uh, come before you this morning just so thankful for your word, thankful for all that you've done, God. Thankful for you sending your son in the flesh, for you taking the initiative and doing that and not us, God. For you first loving us and sending your son to redeem us from our sin and to bring us into right relationship with you. Pray that our hearts would always be centered on that truth. And as we come to your table, Jesus, that we would remember that. Lord, I pray that we would be a multiplying church. Pray that you would use us, God, for your glory, that you would use people in this room to bring others. You would multiply us, Lord. We pray for that. We ask for that with our whole hearts, God. Lord, we pray that your name here in Dahlonega and everywhere else, that it would not just be heard or understood. We pray that it would be hallowed and magnified and made much of and honored the way it should be. We pray for that, God. Pray for your kingdom to come. We pray for your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this, God. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.